the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, of course, and uh, we're joined by J.R. Davis, the uh, governor's spokesperson here on a Thursday. Every Thursday, he stops by and talks to us. So uh, he's not here on Thursday, though. We're we're recording this on Wednesday, and we pushed it back from Tuesday. And the reason we did that is because they had their presser on uh, Wednesday at the governor's office about the new secretaries that are being named. And... uh, JR said, well, you want to wait until Wednesday, and then I'll have all the names. And I was wanting to talk about the uh, uh, article that was in the paper, I think, Monday or Monday, or, yeah. You know, about the, the, the cost of the new secretaries. Right. So let's start off with you, though, JR. You've got the, the new names of the new secretaries. Who are we going to be hearing from? Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing, just we'll talk about the salaries first. So we go into the okay. names. Um, uh, the reason that the you know the request uh, from uh, the governor uh, for the particular salary ranges, which is what the SEO five is, it's the highest grade uh, in state government, which obviously makes sense when you're talking about fifteen secretaries uh, that oversee uh, the governor's administration, uh, with with the governor obviously at the helm. Uh, but the good news about that is that you can – that is literally just a grade. It's not the salaries uh, of the individual positions, which the governor went through today. You can actually hold those secretaries under the minimum, but it just allows some flexibility in the future. Uh, so if you need to go out and get a secretary with more experience or something like that uh, in future years. Uh, but what happened today uh, when the governor released the names of the 15 secretaries – the salaries tied to them. There's only about four uh, that had, uh, you know, substantial increase in salary. The rest, it's just that standard one and a half to two percent increase each year, as all uh, state employees get. This is sort of that cola increase. Okay. Um, so that's what's reflected in their salaries. So you see, you know, a minimum amount, just kind of a uh, a tick up uh, in most of the salaries, and that would have happened regardless of transformation. Um, but what you saw today uh, is that four positions had substantial increases. We'll get into that. Um, but the names of the secretaries are as follows. Okay. Uh, the governor has uh, decided with Wes Ward, uh, the current secretary of agriculture, he will uh, be the new secretary of agriculture. Uh, and the, natu- um, the Arkansas Natural Resources Commission uh, is coming into the Department of Agriculture. So um, the uh, sort of the portfolio broadens uh, with Wes Ward, but he's done a tremendous job, uh, and his salary uh, stays pretty much the same, but he did get about a $9,000 bump because he's basically taking on a new agency. Um, And then the next one was uh, Department of Commerce. Uh, The governor appointed Mike Preston, who is the current executive director of AEDC. No surprise there. No surprise there, and it's important to remember as I go through these names, these individuals will continue in their current capacities uh, as secretary as well. So Mike is the executive director of AEDC. He will also be the secretary of commerce on July 1 on that effective date, Mm -hmm. but he'll continue to do both. Um, So that's important to know. Uh, And then for 
Secretary of Corrections, the governor named Wendy Kelly, who is the current uh, director of uh, the Department of Corrections, which will soon be known as the Division of Corrections. Uh, but she, the community corrections will be folded into the Department of Corrections as well. Um, and so you see a, a, a minimum um, increase in her salary as well. Uh, then we go on to the Department of Energy and Environment, uh, and that will be Director Becky Keough, who currently serves as the Director of the Department of Environmental Quality, which will soon be known as the Division of Environmental okay. Quality, but she'll still continue that role as well. So she'll be doing dual roles. Um, and then uh, Stacy Hurst for the depart- for the uh, as the Secretary of the Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism. Uh, Jamie Cook will be the director, or excuse me, the secretary of the Department of Public Safety. Uh, Larry Walther will be the secretary of the Department of Finance and Administration. Amy Fetcher will be the secretary of the Department of Transformation and Shared Services. Uh, Colonel retired Nate Todd will be the secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, uh, Daryl Bissett will be the new Secretary of Labor and Licensing, and mm-hmm. he will also move over to the Division of Labor. He currently serves as the, as the Director of Workforce Services. Okay. So that's actually a completely, you know, sort of new position for him. But again, he'll, he'll, um, he'll uh, act in both roles moving forward. Um, and then uh, Major General Mark Berry, be the, he's the Adjutant General of Arkansas Correct. National Guard, but he'll be the Secretary of the Military Department. Um, and, uh, I'm going through my head here. I think we've named, uh, most of them. Um, mm-hmm. but, but let me make sure I'm going through that. But, but as far as the salaries go, um, it's the total collective increase in salaries is about 154,000, which is, is really small when you consider the annual increases that all state employees get. But also divided up among, um, you know, fifteen, 15 individual people. cabinet members. Correct. Um, so we we hit on uh, Westward Agriculture, Mike Preston Commerce, Wendy Kelly Corrections, Johnny Key Secretary of Education, okay. and the Department of Higher Education, the School for the Deaf, School for the Blind, uh, and uh, also Career Ed uh, will be folded into uh, the Department of Education. Uh, we mentioned Becky Keough at Energy and Environment, Larry Walter at Finance Administration, uh, Dr. Nathaniel Smith, who is the current director of the Department of Health. He will be the Secretary of Health. Some things don't change. Uh, mo- most of health, they'll be receiving some boards and commissions, and some boards and commissions will be leaving health, but they'll relatively stay the same. Okay. As will the Department of Human Services, where the new secretary is Cindy Gillespie, who currently heads that up. They've already gone through some transformation. Um, so they should, again, remain uh, pretty much the same. Uh, one of the new departments is the Secretary of the Department of Inspector General, and that will be Elizabeth Thomas-Smith. She's Arkansas's, uh, Ar- she is the Arkansas Medicaid Inspector General right now. Um, but that audit function of the Department of Finance and Administration will move in to that department. Okay. Um, we mentioned uh, Major General Barry with military, Stacy Hersett. Parks, Heritage, and Tourism, Jamie Cook at Public Safety. I want to come back to that one here in a second. And of course, we mentioned Amy Fetcher at Transformation and Shared Services, and uh, Nate Todd at uh, Veterans Affairs. So those are the 15 new cabinet directors. Not a lot of surprise there. Perhaps the biggest surprise would be Daryl Bissett moving from Workforce Services to Labor and Licensing. And the biggest is uh, Jamie Cook moving from 
uh, uh, well, uh, ascending uh, from Alita to the Secretary of Public Safety. Um, and that's actually the the largest chunk of the salary. She goes, uh, she gets about a fifty six thousand dollar increase, um, but that's because uh, of her role as secretary overseeing state police and emergency management. Yeah, she's going to be doing. She's going to be a busy, busy person. And, and she's a uh, rising star in the administration. She's going to be really, really good in that role. Um, but I will say this: uh, and the governor has man gone through a tremendous amount of interviews, considered a lot of different names. Uh, I think if you asked him sort of the biggest surprise uh, going through all this, and not necessarily a surprise, pleasant surprise, is just mm-hmm. the, the tremendous amount of talent that already exists in his current 42 cabinet makeup. Just a lot of good people, a lot of talented people, and a number of them could have done uh, just as good of a job in some of these secretary roles. But these are the names the governor decided upon. Uh, but a lot of these names that, that he's chosen are people that have been in leadership positions already. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of these, I mean, and... and So he knows what he's getting. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And again, we talked about this before, but being able to have 15 folks around a table versus 42, you can really get your message and sort of your marching orders across um, uh, in in a situation like that versus sort of an auditorium type feel when you're meeting with 42 uh, cabinet directors. You usually have a member of their staff or someone there to help as well. So uh, that's, that's really, really critical moving forward. With public safety, uh, Jamie Cook is she. She is currently the director of the Arkansas Law Enforcement and Training Standards. So she does a lot of the training for officers, but she has uh, a, a tremendous amount of experience in law enforcement. Uh, she knows uh, what the governor is looking for in transformation, and she has a vision for it. But also, it's important to note that you've got. State police that encompasses the whole state, and obviously everyone understands how important that job is. And so Colonel Bryant, it was imperative that the governor wanted to make sure Colonel Bryant was was there and he was focused on state police. And so he's sort of the subject matter expert there, and we wanted to keep him there. In the same way, that's why the governor left A.J. Geary at the Department of Emergency Management. Because you know when a disaster hits, you want someone focused solely on emergency management. We've got flooding coming down the pike here in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. We can talk about the rest when we come back. And we will do that in just a moment. We're talking with J.R. Davis. He's the governor's spokesman. Uh, They've named the secretaries now uh, on this reorganization plan that you've been hearing so much about during the time that we covered the general session. And now it's uh, coming to fruition. And there's going to be some savings here. There's going to be some changes in mm-hmm. who's overseeing different areas. So we were talking about public safety. Let's go back and start there. Yeah. So we we had mentioned just you know Jamie Cook being probably the biggest surprise uh, in the names. Um, but again, she's a rising star. The administration will do a phenomenal job. But it was important too for the governor to keep his subject matter experts in state police and emergency management, that they can stay focused on their missions because they're critical. Obviously, with when you're talking about public safety, uh, that name alone, you know, where we're making sure that we're responding to disasters, that our state police are, uh, they have the resources they need and, and the focus can be on that. So this will give the ability uh, for Director Gary at Adam and Colonel Bryan at State Police to really focus on what they do well. 
and then obviously with Jamie Cook uh, ascending to the secretary role, this gives her the opportunity to really focus on transformation, breaking down those silos, and, and bringing folks together. And that's what the whole goal of this transformation effort is, is to break down those silos, have better communications uh, with the governor's office, and so we can really push that message and what we're looking for in government, but also to provide or excuse me, to identify efficiencies in state government so we can save taxpayer dollars and we can deliver services to the taxpayer in a more timely and more efficient manner than we currently do. And there's a lot of really great ideas. Uh, you know, Speaking of one of the new uh, secretaries, uh, Amy Fetcher with Transformation and Shared Services, that's really going to be sort of the hub uh, of the agencies um, because she's going to handle, you know, her, her department will include IT and HR, employee benefits, um, uh, the geological survey, a lot of those tools that all these different departments tap into. And the goal of that is to have that private sector um, structure of shared services. So you're not, you know, you don't have an IT contract in one department, an IT contract in another, because Dave, you know this from the private sector, if you pull all those together and you can have one sort of uh, enveloping IT contract for the state, you save a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where we're going to see a lot of that from HR to IT. You're going to see a tremendous amount of savings there, especially as as the years tick on. Um, and then, of course, you know, you're talking about lease agreements. We're going to monitor those as they as they come up. Then, you know, where do we? How do we utilize that and move people into maybe a shared space? Uh, yeah, to save so you more need money? as much room. Exactly, and that's especially when you talk about labor and licensing, you're going to have a tremendous amount of boards and commissions that. You know, all of them have some sort of of lease with, not all of them, but a lot of them have some sort of lease with maybe a conference room that they use once a month, you know, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. When you can pull those resources together and then, you know, have a schedule and that sort of thing, that's where, again, you'll start seeing a lot of of, uh, uh, saved resources for the state. So that's the goal. Um, and and one I know one particular that the governor is very excited about is the Department of Commerce. So we talked about Mike Preston, who's done really a tremendous job. Yeah, he's done a fantastic with, with AEDC, job. and he'll continue in that role as executive director. But the really neat thing about this is that Mike not only will still be the governor's main economic developer in the state and continue uh, to uh, push uh, what we're doing right now, and we we talked about this a couple weeks ago of all the, the jobs announcements. That's obviously going to be the focus there. But now you have the Department of Commerce headed by Mike Preston. You also have banking, insurance, securities, which will be helpful, but you also have workforce services and so an office of skills development that's coming over from career ed. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really exciting for a number of reasons. One is Mike can start helping to shape some of the policies in these other uh, divisions of commerce, and we can really start kind of coming up with this this overarching policy for or plan for economic development in the state. Workforce is a big part of that. Office of Skills Development is a really big part of that. Um, so that's something I know the governor's excited about, and I know Mike's excited about to really get in there and work with everyone. And that's what this is. It's not the secretary's, of course, in charge, and, and they'll have the authority throughout the department. But we have an incredible amount of, of current cabinet officials at their agencies that do a tremendous job. And, and the governor will rely on them heavily to continue to do that great job. It's just communicating and how we can kind of uh, focus our energy on one specific uh, uh, plan for the department, one specific goal and mission. And obviously with commerce, we want to turn this state into a jobs magnet. And I think we have done that, but there's more to do. And so um, that's that's one really exciting aspect of, of the Department of Commerce. So the 
the real part that you all are reaching at is for the governor to be able to sit down with each of these secretaries who sits down with the people that are under them, yeah. they know what the gov- the governor's marching plans have been. All Absolutely. Right? He's going to talk to those guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're leading the spear, so to speak. So they go back and they say, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. They come up with a plan, and then all you have is one person has to come back and explain it to the governor. Absolutely. And the goal is not for the secretaries to be heavy-handed. I mean, it's, it's if you think about it, you have the governor's cabinet, but then you sort of have the department cabinets and the division directors uh, that you can meet with and say, okay, here's our plan. What do we do? And, and, and Mike, you know, obviously relying on the director of workforce services, you know, and, and the director of office of skills development and, and saying, okay, what can we do? What, this is what our, this is what we're hearing back from prospects. And we're trying to get these companies here. Workforce is a big deal. What can, you know, what, what are we doing? What can we do to bridge the gap there? And, and it's sort of putting everybody at one table to say, okay, here, Here's our goal. How do we reach it? Uh, and that's really what this is all about. Um, and and same thing with with Stacy Hurst at, at Parks Tourism and Heritage. She's been spent the last four years at Heritage and, and done a tremendous job. She's been um, really embedded. Even though it's Heritage, she's really been embedded in the tourism function of of, of government and as well as parks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those heritage places are within parks. And uh, so I think that she's going to do a tremendous job. Um, and, and meeting with her division heads, you know, tourism, uh, parks, and heritage, which she'll actually still be managing uh, heritage as well. So it's it's really going to be an opportunity to just break down those silos, have better communication to reach the overall goal, which is delivering services in a more efficient manner to the Arkansas taxpayers and being better stewards of taxpayer dollars. Uh, we mentioned IT and HR and things like that, but um, – you know the the important part of this is that while you see uh, really uh, uh, substantive increases in about four positions, and in those four positions we can come back to you know West Ward at Agriculture, uh, Nate Todd at Veterans Affairs. Number one, we wanted to elevate Veterans Affairs. It's important. Uh, yeah. Our veterans are important, and we want the governor wanted to make sure they understood that. Uh, agriculture with additional responsibilities with the Natural Resources Commission. Jamie Cook moving from you know just the director of Alita to the secretary role, which was the largest jump. Um, Amy Fetcher is probably the the largest jump as far as just being the governor's chief transformation officer. She will now be a secretary. But she's um, got to jungle all the balls. Uh, yeah, and she and she's done this for— <laughs> That's not easy. No, and she's done this. The governor named her, I believe, at the end of 2016, uh, Her his chief transformation officer. So she's been involved with this from the get-go. She's going to be incredible in that role. Uh, and then finally, Stacy Hurst just moving from her salary at Heritage uh, to reflect the current salary of the uh, uh, of what the director of Parks and Tourism would make as well. So these are just again pretty much nominal increases for most of the cabinet. But when you're talking about you know 154 thousand versus what we consider to be a conservative estimate of 15 million dollars in savings uh, in the next fiscal year. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna we're we're gonna make good on all that, and it's gonna be well worth it. Uh, and the governor again has um, pushed this a lot just to make sure people understand this. These positions, we are going to be position neutral and budget neutral. We are not creating, we are not appropriating money for new positions. Um, these individuals, for the most part, are. Uh, by, not for the most part, and every position will be maintaining uh, their current uh, director position 
Uh, obviously, the Daryl Bissett being the one um, uh, exception there, but he will be heading up the Division of Labor. So we are being as, as frugal as possible to make sure this works. Um, but in the same line, too, we want state employees to know that they're, the governor's still committed to no layoffs. Um, this is all going to happen through attrition. If people move to the private sector, we're not going to fill that position. If someone gets a better offer, they move out of state or they retire, we're going to do exactly what we've been doing the last four years and saying we don't need that position. Let's freeze it. Um, and then if we come back the next budget cycle and say we don't need this position, let's get rid of it and, mm-hmm. and return that money back to the taxpayer. So that's the overall goal here, um, and it's going to be really, really exciting. Uh, and when we uh, get back, we can uh, talk more about the next month up until that effective date and what these secretaries are going to be working on. All right. We'll do that when we return in just a moment. If you just joined us, J.R. Davis is our guest. He is, of course, the governor's spokesperson. He is walking us through this uh, transformative reorganization that's occurring in Arkansas. The new secretaries now have been named. Uh, We've talked about how much they're going to be making and uh, how some of this is going to work out. And I'm going to ask JR some different questions about this and try to help you understand what it is they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's going to make things better. But when, when you're making things better by transforming there's usually some growing pains, and so sure. we want to kind of deal with that as well. So what are you, where do we want to go to now, Jr. and what we've been talking about? Yeah, well, I can, you know, let me reiterate the fact that these 15 individuals uh, are really the best of the best, and the governor had uh, a number of talented and capable individuals to choose from, and, and, we'll, and he will certainly be relying on them um, as we move forward. But these 15 cabinet secretaries, you know, really sort of the threshold was obviously, do they do, have they been doing an exceptional job in their current roles? Yes. Mm-hmm. The second threshold was, do they understand his vision for transformation? That's the most important and That's one, the I most imp- Absolutely. So you've got to be able to maintain and, 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 well, and exceed expectations in your current role, but you also have to be able to focus on transformation and how to make the state work better for the citizens of Arkansas? And how do you transform a state from really 138 years of, of you know, kind of, in a lot of cases, sort of fledgling policy stances and things like that, or lack of policies? How do you turn this into something that can elevate Arkansas for years to come? And and that's what this goal is, and, and to give back to the taxpayers. So it's critical for those individuals to know what the governor's mission is for transformation, uh, and then allow them to move forward and implement that strategy well it's important that the people as they move forward you and what you don't want to do is say well no this won't work and you're halfway in through the transformation right it's really a step-by-step anal kind of thing that you got to do yeah yeah they're change agents that's exactly what these individuals are i mean we have to change the status quo we're not going to eliminate uh, essential services or or fire uh, you know tranches of of state employees. That's not the goal of this. That's not the goal at all. We want to continue those essential services, but we we want to enhance them and we want to see how we can do them better, do them more efficiently, and save the taxpayer dollars uh, in the process. And then, of course, with our our state employees, we have uh, we have we have a solid group of of state employees. You know, somewhere around twenty six thousand that that are under the authority of the governor's office. Uh, we don't want them to be concerned with losing their job. We want them to continue to do the jobs uh, that they're doing, mm-hmm. but also have buy-in 
to the transformation efforts. And so that's why the governor also announced today that each secretary will put in place within the department a transformation action team uh, that will reach all levels of employees through every department and every division within those departments. Well, communication to those people is very, very important. Yeah, it's important to have buy-in. We want them to know what we're doing. We want them to know with clear transparency what the mission is. And we want them to help us get there. Uh, and so if they have ideas, we'll, certainly we want to welcome those ideas in and see what we can do. And if they make sense, let's implement them and that sort of thing. So uh, this isn't just about a secretary and from the top down. We are we are sort of infiltrating all levels of state government to make sure folks are, are bought into this. But as individuals leave, they retire, uh, they get another job, maybe they move away. Uh, we're going to look at those positions and say we don't need to fill this. We can save taxpayer dollars because we can do this more efficiently. Um, and so I think that's what's going to be really, really, really important for the secretaries moving forward is to kind of keep an eye on those positions and those opportunities um, uh, to to identify those efficiencies. So right now, uh, with the announcement today, there's a little over a month before that July 1st start date. And when I say that it's July 1st start date, of time. yeah, and that was part of Act 910, the Transformation and Efficiencies right. uh, Act of 2019. So that, that designated July 1 as the official sort of flipping the switch, right? Um, and so on July 1, the secretaries will be officially in place. Uh, and and they will have their executive teams, which they will work on, uh, which, again, will be picking from the departments within their department um, and, and those personnel. So whether it's, you know, a communications person with a secretary, uh, you know, a, a general counsel or fiscal officer, you know, so on and so forth, the chief of staff. But it'll be smaller, but they will be that executive team for the secretaries. But over the next month, they'll meet with the transformation transition team. Uh, mm-hmm. What they've been working on for the last month and will continue to work on through the next month is just getting them ready and prepared and, and all the different things that they've worked on. Um, so they'll meet with them and get them up to speed and let them know kind of the decision points that are going to be needed to uh, that are needed by that July 1st start date. And then also sometime in June, um, the governor and Amy Fetcher uh, will be hosting a, a training uh, and the transition team will be hosting a training for all the secretaries at an offsite location, more casual atmosphere, but really saying, OK, guys, this is, you know, we've we've pulled everybody together. Um, so let's let's talk about the vision. Let's make sure we're on the same page. What do we need to do? Some, you know, what are the I's that need to be dotted and the T's that need to be crossed by that July 1 first or that July 1 start date? Um, so that'll be really important as well. So that's what they'll be working on over the next month, um, which is really exciting. Well, that that training part that you're talking about, you know, they're going to have to understand, just talking about the secretaries, they have to know how they report to the governor and what the governor wants from them. Right. You know, the governor, I'm sure, says, you know, I don't want to hear about this or that or whatever. That's the minutiae you deal with. You give me the important stuff that I got to know to make the decisions that must be made. One hundred percent correct. Absolutely, and and a lot of the training too is you know they've all they've all had to handle personalities before, but they'll have to handle new personalities and mm-hmm. that leadership role and that sort of thing. So, th- well, that leadership training and and the, the cabinet director training will really sort of encompass a lot of those aspects. I do want to point out something that's pretty historic, that's pretty exciting about these announcements. Um, there are fifteen cabinet directors, uh, eight are men seven or women and it is the uh that percentage is the highest percentage 
of women in cabinet positions in Arkansas history. Yeah. Uh, and that just shows, again, the talent level we have in our state uh, and, and the diversity uh, on this, uh, on this uh, cabinet um, uh, level you know, directorship. So that, that's, that's what's really cool about this is that you're, you're bringing people from all walks of life um, with you know, the backgrounds and experience and the education um, that the governor really looked at uh, when he was making these decisions. So I think that's a really neat balance. Yeah, well, that's that's good because that seems to reflect uh, the electorate. In fact, absolutely, of the state of Arkansas. Absolutely, yeah, and and I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah, that's a good point you make. Is that the governor, in looking at these positions, obviously you want qualified individuals that uh, meet certain uh, criteria, but also know your vision for transformation. But you also want them to represent the electorate uh, of Arkansas, and and I think that this is a really good balance. And I think the people of Arkansas can rest assured that that you know these are the uh, these folks are of the highest quality, um, and and they know uh, what's expected of them. And I think because of those individuals at the top, they can really set the uh, you know blaze a path forward with transformation and efficiencies uh, with their division directors and and the employees uh, down the line. So I think it's just having those individuals with those personalities. Um, is really, really important because, you know, that's, that's the conduit there. You know, that's the, they're the conduit to the governor's office, and they have to push on those messages and those strategies and those goals. And you can do that from a managerial standpoint much better with 15 than 42. All right. J.R. Davis is our guest. He's the uh, governor's spokesperson. He's joining us today. Big, big changes coming to the state with the reorganization. We've been following this ever since the beginning of the uh, the session that started this year and now it's here and it kicks in in about uh four or five weeks that's right yeah a lot to do between now and then but uh like i said before this has been an effort for the last two two and a half years uh, and the transition team's been in place since the um since the law was signed and allowed them to be in place and they've really been working you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 hour days getting all this in place. So you can essentially hand it off to the secretaries and say, I'm here to help you. Let's get this started. All right. I've been told I've got 90 seconds left uh, for our segment that we're doing right now. Let me just ask about the, uh, the secretaries. Did everybody get excited about being, you know, offered these positions or were there people who took a, a breath and said, can I have a couple of days to think about this? <laughs> I don't. I I, I doubt that. Uh, I think they, okay. they. You know, but again, a lot of these folks knew this was I mean, coming. It's really serious. This is serious stuff. Absolutely, they knew this was coming, uh, and uh, so nobody turned them down. Uh, and but I think there's also this historic aspect of it too. I mean, this is historic. Uh, you know, moving this back the first time in, 50, in nearly 50 years, this has happened in the state of Arkansas. But unlike 1971, we want this to last. And so these individuals know that there's buy-in, uh, but they also understand too that this is not the end-all be-all this is the first step this is the first chapter in the book and there's a lot of work to be done uh, once july 1 rolls around but but we've got the right people in place to do it all right jr davis be with us for one more segment stay tuned to that uh, we'll go back over those secretaries names so that uh, if you weren't with us at the beginning of this hour uh, you'll get those names here before we go to news it's the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. J.R. Davis is our guest. He's the spokesman for the governor. And uh, we will be back to talk with him more about this and uh, to bring you up on this whole transformative reorganization that's going to happen. Final segment with J.R. Davis, the uh, governor's 
uh, spokesman. He is uh, joining me. We're talking about something that's historic that is going to be absolutely new for the state of uh, of Arkansas, and hopefully will be uh, bringing better governance uh, to you, uh, the citizen of the state of Arkansas. And Jr. For the people who did not get to join us at the very beginning of this hour, let me ask you to repeat all the 15 secretaries and what they'll be doing. And if you think that people might not understand what that means, uh, their job, explain what their job is. So uh, to go through it one more time, it's, it's you know, 15 cabinet secretaries uh, from 42. Uh, so we're basically taking 42 agencies and, and reorganizing into 15 cabinet uh, secretaries. And obviously, for a number of reasons, that's important. One is obviously for managerial control, and that's just being able to meet with these folks around one table right. and have those conversations uh, that are needed in order to carry out this transformation effort. Uh, the 15 cabinet secretaries, I'll run through this really quickly. Uh, Wes Ward, Secretary of Agriculture. Mike Preston, Secretary of Commerce. Wendy Kelly, Secretary of Corrections. Johnny Key, Secretary of Education. Becky Keough, Secretary of Energy and Environment. Larry Walther, Secretary of Finance and Administration. Dr. Nate Smith, Secretary of Health. Cindy Gillespie, Secretary of Human Services. Elizabeth Thomas Smith will be the Inspector General. Daryl Bissett will be the new Secretary of Labor and Licensing. Major General Mark Berry, who is the Adjutant General of the Arkansas National Guard, he will be the Secretary of the Department of the Military. Stacy Hurst will be the Secretary of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism. Jamie Cook will be the Secretary of Public Safety. Amy Fetcher will be the new Secretary of Transformation and Shared Services, which will be that we talked about that private sector shared services model. Uh, and then finally, uh, but certainly not least, uh, Colonel retired Nate Todd will be the secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs. And so those were named today. Uh, we've The governor has done a nice job of keeping uh, all of this pretty close to the vest. Uh, but this is sort of being, this is the, that was the gunpowder. They've been shot out of the cannon and now they got to hit their target. And right. that target is, uh, is sort of an ongoing target. Uh, and that is to create those efficiencies in state government uh, and, and to establish a team that can help them do that. And that's what they'll really be focusing on over the course of the next four or five weeks before that July 1 start date. All right. Now you talked about uh, earlier in the interview, you talked about there would probably be, you're going to have to relook at uh, rental agreements and lease agreements <laughs> and things of that nature. Is it going to be a, a special project to try to maybe move all of these organizations closer to the capital than perhaps that they are right now? I think there's a lot of different logistics that they're looking at. And this is a great example of, you know, where it's not necessarily a secretary, but in uh, transformation and shared services, Amy Fetcher will, will be the one that oversees that. But building authority uh, and, and lay law, uh, you know, she'll really be doing the bulk of the work on this, making sure, you know, all right, let's take stock of all of our lease agreements. When do those come up? Where can we move uh, agencies? Can we can we put a commerce under one roof or is or is that feasible does it make sense to do that you know one aspect is too the governor doesn't want to you know pillage the private sector 
uh, you know, when we have some of these leases. So if it makes sense and it's cost effective, you know, maybe we stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Department of Human Services is a great example. Uh, they they have uh, you know facilities uh, with a lot of employees downtown, but they also have facilities in every county in the state. So all, all things uh, are not created equal. We'll have to take a look at those and, and figure out which ones make sense, which ones don't. But but that'll be a big project that they'll continue to look at as lease agreements in this summer, the fall, next year. Uh, and as those come up, we'll, we'll have a plan in place to uh, to make sure it's it's the right move moving forward. And whether that's closer to the Capitol uh, or or somewhere close, uh, obviously, you know, I, you know, the Department of Environment, uh, uh, the new Department of in of Energy and Environment. Uh, they're in a uh, a great facility across the river in in North Little Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll they'll stay there. Uh, they have the facilities, uh, the infrastructure there that they can bring on. That they've already brought on the Department of Energy. They'll bring on oil and gas and uh, um, geo. Uh, uh, geological survey as well um and i mentioned i think i messed that up earlier it's it's all these little geological survey will go to environment uh um, uh, energy and environment and then uh, geographic information system will go to shared services and that's where you see the mapping of the state and that sort of thing so i think i got those mixed up earlier but um yeah it's just going to basically take a look at at each one and see uh, what makes sense and put a and sort of an infrastructure and facilities plan together uh but but the but the biggest thing people need to understand is we're going to do this in a cost-effective way. We want to make sure that we're being good stewards of taxpayer dollars. So if there's an initial investment up front that saves taxpayer dollars you know, for the next 50 years, that's something we're going to look at. If it's an immediate savings, great. Uh, and so that's where you know somebody that's not necessarily a, a secretary, um, but one of the key division leaders uh, that's been with the governor for the last four years will, will have a really big responsibility in, in that endeavor. Okay, so you're ready. To, they're at the starting line, and they're ready to get underway. That's right. I'm sure that they're already running and, and doing a lot of the things that they, yep. they have to do. Uh, what should the citizens of Arkansas expect? Is This should go smooth enough that you really don't notice a, a big change, right? Yeah, I think that you'll see some some aesthetics uh, as we move into July one, just kind of you know showcasing the fifteen different departments uh, and whether that's you know a landing page for each uh, department and and obviously the the current websites will stay the same with the agencies. It'll just be sort of a landing page that shows all the different divisions within the Department of Commerce. Right. Uh, so you'll see some things like that. Uh, you'll see the governor meet with his cabinet officials on a much more regular basis now because it's much easier to get 15 people in a room versus 42. Um, but yeah, I think what the what we hope taxpayers and residents of Arkansas see from this is a smoother delivery of services to the people of Arkansas. That's the goal here. And so what you've seen, and again, I've said this has been an ongoing effort for really the last four years, but truly the last two and a half to three years. But look at the Department of Finance and Administration and, and the My DMV, where now you can go online and do most of everything you need to do as far as car tags and things like that, you know, sitting at home on the couch with your computer or yep. on your phone. Those are the kind of things that we're really going to focus on. Technology will provide us a great amount of opportunity to deliver these services more efficiently to the people of Arkansas at a lower cost of what we're doing right now. So technology is going to be huge. Uh, HR, you know, uh, cutting those administrative costs and, and not having those duplicative costs, 
those are really going to be the focus. And when we do that, I think the people of Arkansas will, will recognize a smoother relationship with state government, uh, which I think we could all use. Uh, and and they, it affects our daily lives and the governor's um, cognizant of that. And we want to make sure that we're, we're doing the best we can for the people of the state. And that's what I think they'll see. Uh, and then, of course, in the following years, uh, you know, how much we save and where we can reinvest that or give it back to the people of Arkansas, more tax cuts. We've already cut more than two or nearly $250 million from the income tax. Uh, we've cut taxes for veterans. Uh, we just reform corporate taxes in the state. And all of these things are important because we want to provide the environment in the state of Arkansas that allows businesses and residents to live their life with the highest of quality without government getting in the way of everything they do. And that's the goal of this. And that's what I think the people of Arkansas will recognize uh, as this transformation effort, uh, I say, gets underway, but but continues into yeah. July. It's It's gotten underway. Now Absolutely. it's just a matter of really letting the people go that are going to be uh, heading up these different organizations. Well, JR, we're just about out of time. We're down to about 50 seconds left here. Uh, we're coming up on Memorial Day. Anything that the governor's office would like to say about that? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, just uh, as we remember uh, all of our fallen soldiers, uh, and I know Tom Cotton has a book out, Sacred Duty, uh, which is a great read, just remembering uh, those men and women who have who've given up their, uh, you know, given up everything, made the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. for our freedoms, which allows us to do things like this. Um, and so we're definitely keep. Uh, them in our minds over the Memorial Day weekend. And one last tidbit of news, we can talk about it next week, but the governor announced uh, yesterday uh, that he is hosting the first in the nation computer science summit right here in Arkansas. We've got about 14 states that will be participating, including Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. So we're really excited about that. That'll be June 10th. All right. Have a great Memorial Day. We'll be back in a moment. All right. So I've been talking about baseball the last two weeks, okay, I've been just sitting here and pontificating upon the the game, and I was talking the other day about, you know, uh, the weak spot in every team in Major League Baseball this year is the bullpen. Absolutely crappy. I mean, seriously. It's, ter- it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, you thought that the uh, Yankees would be good. They've had like seven injuries in their bullpen. They're They're decimated now. The reason I'm talking uh, baseball, as you know, I love baseball. I've loved baseball all my life. I played all the way until I was a uh, sophomore in uh, in college, and then I blew out my shoulder. And then uh, Dr. Gillum fixed it when I was in my 50s, and and I could never get anybody to give me a tryout. I couldn't figure out why. I, I could have made a money just doing the Viagra commercials, you know. I could have just done that, Paul, and I, I'd made, I, I would have just played for that. Just give me the Viagra. A couple of endorsements. That's all I need. Did you have you seen how some how much money some of these ballplayers make in endorsements? They don't need. Why are the clubs paying them anything? The money is. is I'm talking pretty eighty, ninety million dollars a year. Yeah, it's amazing. But anyway, I digress. I love baseball. I said that already, but I do. I really love the game. I don't think if you don't like baseball, it's only because you don't understand it. Yeah, it's a chess match that people just don't understand a lot of times, but it's a leisurely game. You know, it's yeah. it's a game where you can go enjoy it and enjoy the person next to you as well. You can and chart every pitch 
or not watch a single pitch and still know what's going on. And you can be sitting there and nothing's happened for seven innings, and then all of a sudden, it's like somebody fires off the, you know all the fireworks at once. You know, somebody put a match where they shouldn't have. Yep. And it's fun to watch. It's, it's, just a, it's a great game. It is a great, great game. So Paul Allen's here. He is the GM over at the Travelers. And to say that the Travelers are having a good year is an understatement. How many? You say 14 games over 500 now? 14 games over 500. They've only lost 15 games on this entire season. How they, many at home? Uh, very few. It's hard to remember a loss. They had two walk-offs last night and a doubleheader last <laughs> inning. Don't you love that? Those are the best. I yeah. mean, the crowd walks out just fired up saying that's the best and game they've ever seen. And wanted to come back again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. The, that's the key. So how's the, how's the turnout been? Is it, uh, is it the old adage true? If your team's winning, people come out to watch them? It helps a little bit. You know, minor league baseball... Uh, it's not always about the game. It's about the environment and the atmosphere mm-hmm. around it. So people are going to continue to come for that reason. But uh, the news stations, you guys, well, you love a winner. Who doesn't love a winner? So you get to talk about us a little bit more. It's more fun to talk about baseball when yeah. you're winning. Well, that's that's true. That's why I feel pop? so sorry about the St. Louis Cardinals this year. Oh, not, not really. They'll still pack that place. <laughs> yeah, they're St. Louis fans, you want to make fun of us Cub fans, you're as Big as dopes as we are. You go see them play when they're losing, and uh, we go see Cubs when they, well, We've proven that, man. We turn out to go see them whether they win or lose, because for a long time, they want nothing but losing yeah. in, in Chi-Town. Well, that's what true fans are. They're there for the good times and the bad times. <laughs> the Cubs, it was there. You were there. You knew you were going to lose, so you didn't worry about it. You just showed up. But anyway... Uh, I've been enjoying this Philadelphia series. I mean, we had almost identical records, and it looks like they're going to split. And it looks like Philly's a win today. But I tell you what, the last two games have been great. Bottom of the ninth wins for the Cubs. I love that kind of stuff. But let, let's talk about you. You're saying about uh, you know what you do at the ballpark tends to bring people out for minor league ball. I'll tell you something that's going to bring bring me back out uh, this year again. Bologna sandwiches number one. <laughs> I love bologna sandwiches, and you can't. It's the best place to get a bologna sandwich. The bacon station is a good place. All right. The other thing that you got, you got Shotgun Dan Pizza. That's new. Yeah, this year Shotgun Dan's. That's a, a family-owned that is like and operated. The best pizza around. It is. They really are very, good. very good. I mean, there's some chains here that are good. But Chuck and Dan's, man, I really like their pizza. It's, it's good. Yeah, they do it right. And when we were talking about the partnership prior to the season, um, Josh and some of his guys came in, and they were they wanted to make sure that they could do the product justice. You know, like yeah. serving it at the ballpark. Is it going to be just as good as you have it at the restaurant? And that was big to them. You know, quality of product is everything. Well, they got all these new pizza ovens, and, and these people now are driving around in these food trucks. And they can make a pizza in eight minutes. It's mm. incredible. I mean, it's good. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, was it Al over there at the, was it Chop, I say Chop Shop, and that's not right. Butcher Shop? Butcher Shop. Chop Shops in Chicago. All right, Butcher Shop. And I'm going to tell you what, Al knows how to make a steak, and he knows how to make a pizza in his pizza truck. It's yeah. very, very good. So you guys have got some really great things going on. I mean, we're going to be involved with you, I think, in June. Uh, 
with the uh, the car show is that right Mm -hmm. yeah we have the grand slam auto rama on june 15th it's our annual car show from old to new just come out and check out some amazing hot rods cars and i think we got it set up that we're bringing the week before that we're having the bumper to bumper uh car show out at uh, conway and we're going to bring our overall winner to be in your all's i like uh, it bring the best of the yeah best. bring the best of the best i do it's uh you know we'll have pretty close to 200 cars out there and these are really these are people who live and die you know like we live and die with man on third and two outs and three two count and somebody go maybe Let's do the squeeze. You know, that's mad. Let's do the squeeze. And got to love that kind of stuff. Yeah. So how, how's the turnout been this year thus far? It's been good. Uh, in-house attendance is a little up on where it was last year. That's um, what I like so to that, hear. So that helps. Uh, we have a warm, uh, good weekend. great week coming up. A memorial weekend. There's no River Fest, so come out and watch the Travs play. Yeah. You know, we uh, tonight you can bring your dog out. It's Bark in the Ballpark. <laughs> uh, tomorrow night... If you want to go out on the field after the game, men and women, you can dig in the field and you're going to find a Rolex watch thanks to Sissy's Log Cabin. You might find a You Rolex. might find. Somebody right. will. Somebody one person will. find will. one. Okay. That's good. And uh, our team card set giveaway, that, that thing could be worth some money with the way these guys are playing right now. So team card set giveaway on the next day. And a, a kids clinic on Sunday. So come out. It's a 210 game. Come out at noon and let your kids run around on the field and kind of learn from the pros. Yeah, now here's the key. on When they give away you know, all the baseball cards, you just never know who might go on to be a great major leaguer. And if you have the minor league card, that – usually can get you some money yeah no doubt they're they're a little more rare they don't print as many it's not made by tops it's you know it's literally produced by us with a company a small company called uh grandstand uh cards and they're very limited run and so if you get one of those they could be pretty hot so how many cards how many cards are you running we produce 1500 and we give away a thousand of them wow so there's not there's i mean seriously can you imagine if they did that for like and, and you had one of pete rose or How Mike much Trout? That, yeah, or Mike, yeah, Mike Trout now. How much would that be worth, seriously? I know how much Mike Trout is worth. <laughs> he's 440? Worth, he's worth a lot, a lot, but he's worth every penny they're paying, that guy, because he puts fannies in the seats for them. Yeah. Now, what do you got going on as far as the team goes this year? I mean, your your manager is a young guy. 34 years old, Mitch Canham. He played in our league, uh, and he went straight from playing to, to managing. And he's worked his way up through the Mariners system. Uh, he won a t- uh, California League championship a couple of years ago. And these guys that are coming up now kind of grew up with him. And he does things a little bit different. I mean, he, they're out there on the on the mound doing things I've never seen before. Like what? They, they, I, I couldn't even tell you. It was like they had these little runners, and they, I, they were talking to the pitchers about where their foot's going to land. And usually, Ooh, I've never yeah. seen that. I see them take a towel and kind of whip it and try to throw it. But they, I've never seen them get out there and kind of get in depth. They do a lot of one-on-one stuff. Working a lot of mechanics with a them. A lot then. of mental skills training. Cool. It's uh, it's that's important stuff. Yeah. Oh, you don't think about it. You fail in baseball. Baseball is a failing sport. If you hit the ball three out of ten times, you're a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to fail seven times, and that could be two, three games in a row. And uh, the mental part of it is a big deal to the Mariners. Are they still Are they still teaching uh, small ball in in major leagues, or or are they more interested in 
you know, swinging from the heel to the toe? I'd say on the major league level, probably swing away. Long ball, um, okay. But here on the minor league level, it doesn't matter. You see somebody, a guy hitting 300, but still there's going to be a moment where you're going to see him, you know, put down a bunt. And we steal a lot of bases. Uh, timely oh, running. Good. You know, timely uh, hit, hit and runs. runs. Does exactly. he do hit and run? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Not enough to... And not afraid to force the issue and send a guy. You know, like, make him make a play. Make him throw that ball and get you. That's the key. You know, when I pitched back in the day, a long time ago, but uh, the key was make sure you make the batter, if you can't get it back past him without them hitting it, make him get soft contact and hit it on the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, last night... For instance, I'm watching a major league game. I was watching Cubs play last night, and it was as if it was as if the ball had eyes. I'm just telling you, they wherever they hit that ball on the ground, it was just inches away from a, an infield or whatever. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were switching around and all of that. But interesting uh, that they were playing a lot of base hits. Now the Cubs started had a good night playing long ball. They had a three-run home run. They had a grand slam, and they had a solo. I mean, I mean that's eight runs. That's hard to make up if you're playing small ball. Yeah. Uh, their pitching was okay uh, on the Phillies. Pitching on the Cubs uh, wasn't so good. Hamill was not on last night. Quintana was really on the night before. I mean, he gave up only three hits and no runs over seven innings. He uh, he didn't even break a hundred pitches. He had. Wow. But now, and and I don't like this, but. Now, if they get started to give them five or six, they feel pretty good about it. Yeah. It's all these specialty bullpen guys. You know, I mean, they, when you played, did they not put the ball in? I don't know if you pitched or not. They put the ball in your hand. They expected you to pitch a whole game. Yeah. It, you look at some of the records uh, back in the day, and those yeah. guys would throw, like 200 innings now is like unbelievable. Yeah. But they would throw 400 to 500 innings, and that was, you know, no big deal. So we didn't have Tommy John then. Yeah. So, yeah, so what what is about their shoulders that was different from the shoulders of today? I don't know. I don't know, but I I do believe that you should not play baseball year round, and I think more people play baseball year round than ever. Because oh, when to, I when go I over, over I the played, pond or whatever. Well, well, it's like there's for these kids. There's ah. there's spring ball. There's fall ball. There's all stars. There's tournaments. There's there's all this stuff, and, and so they're playing baseball year round, and they're throwing a lot. And I think it's it. There's a value in playing other sports and yes. strengthening other muscles, and you know, different movement, and let certain parts of your body rest and heal as well. I would. I'd go along with that. I really would. I'm when I played little league, we played from. May when school got out and then we'd finish up sometime towards the end of July. You had August off to go on vacation and whatever you wanted to do. And then you went back to school after Labor Day. They don't do that any longer either. You know, yeah. they go to school long uh, a lot before then. Okay, I'm being told I got a break. So, Paul, we'll come back solve the uh, solve the problems of the world and the world of baseball here in just a moment. I want to ask about why it's not possible because there's like in how many leagues do you have in in double A? We have three. Three. Okay. Mm-hmm. You play mainly in one league, correct? Only in one league, the okay. Texas League. 
I want to talk about why they couldn't, you know, why you couldn't have like uh, in major leagues, you have interleague games. Why couldn't you switch over into the other group and let other teams come in from other major league clubs? Cubs. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're talking baseball, Travelers baseball. Next hour, uh, Robert Steinbach could come in, and we'll talk a little com- um, politics then. But right now, I want to talk baseball. It's Look, it's Memorial Day. They've been playing for almost two months now. It's time to talk baseball here on, on the air a little bit. I listen to some of the other stations around, and if they talk baseball, they're always talking, you know, college. And and I understand that. Look, I, I follow the Razorbacks in baseball more than I do in football and basketball. And it's not because they're winning or losing uh, in basketball or football. I think Dave Van Horn uh, is just a piece of gold for the state of Arkansas. He has put together one heck of a program up there in Fayetteville. There's no doubt about it. I'm. I just heard that somebody put a lot of money into his program, and they're they're getting a brand new uh, practice facility up there. So uh, I, I want to see what that looks like. It ain't what I had to deal with when I was in. I mean, we didn't even have full ride scholarships in baseball when I played, and back in the seventies. I mean, you you got. They might say, "We'll buy your books and we'll feed you." Mm-hmm. And that's it. You had to pay for board, and you had to pay for everything else uh, to to go to school. But it is what it is. Baseball has proven it can make money for schools now. LSU and is the SEC the best? Do you believe? I was looking conference at the, for uh, for baseball. I was looking at the the rankings uh, just a couple of days ago with Rusty, and it, it right now it is it is. You have I think it's seven of the top twenty. Yeah, are from the SEC. Yeah, because see, when I played, uh, it was the West Coast, yeah. no doubt. Is yeah. where you, if you get out to the West Coast, you wanted to to go out there and play Cal State Fullerton and places like that. Those are old names. Yeah, UCLA. And yeah, those are the, the teams that you wanted to go play because you could play all year round, no mm-hmm. problem out oh, yeah. there. And you loved it, but now with the training facilities they got, you can play all year round in the SEC and in the Big Ten. Yeah. Big Ten's pretty good now in baseball. Mm-hmm. Used to. Stink it up, you know, they hitting snowballs. That's what they were doing. I mean, think about it. You go out, when I played high school ball, uh, high school ball started in March. I was I lived in northwest Indiana, and I'm just telling you, the, the wind chill could very well be, you know, 28 degrees. And you didn't know if you wanted to really hit the ball or not because uh, it was grabbing handfuls hands. of bees, you know. It wasn't fun at all. I was watching a game early in the season – and Javier uh, cracked one, and and he evidently didn't get uh, get all of it. And he's second base, and he's like shaking his hands because they're just stinging up a storm, you know. Yeah. Well, let me go back and and let's bring back. We we're, we're talking about uh, the travelers. Uh, explain to the listeners why you were talking about we Texas League small league got other leagues at much bigger leagues. Is there ever going to be a chance that we're going to see other teams than just the four teams that are in your, you know, your group? 
Yeah, so you know the eight, the eight teams in the Texas League is is going to be what we play all season long. Okay, um, when you drive all the way down to Corpus Christi, it's a it's a pretty good hike, and that's in our division to play the hook in our league. Um, once you start getting outside of that, you're looking at further travel, more air flights, and, you know, airplanes instead of busing, which you know it's still the old buses. So those guys don't have it easy. You know, they're not jumping on charter planes; they're jumping on a, a bus with thirty guys, and they're you know driving twelve hours. So um, once you start getting a little further, you're talking about a little more expensive, and that kind of falls back on the minor league team, who you know a lot of us are in smaller markets. We're not in L.A. and we're not right. in you know the, uh, New York, so our budgets are a little bit smaller. What I would love to see is a Texas League versus the Southern League All Star Game. Okay, I think you know so that you could be to see one. Some game. of the other players, you'd be one game, and you have a true true All Star team. Uh, when you're taking four from the North Division of the Texas League and four from the South Division, and then you have a couple injuries, a couple call ups. Next thing you know, you have whatever's kind of left over. You have some All Stars, and then the guys that are fill ins. So I would I would love to see uh, the Southern League versus the Texas League, and that I think would be a really good All Star team. All right, when we come back, I'll let you name some names of people that uh, the fans should be paying attention to, that they'll probably get themselves a call up here. And I, and I think that uh, as far as uh, the Travelers go, and, and I don't know where they play, where's their AAA team? They are in Tacoma, Washington. So okay. they're pretty close to close Seattle. Close to Seattle then. Uh, you're going to see, I think, a lot of those players get their shot at the, at the show because um, except for the first three weeks of the season – the Mariners looked really good. Then all of a sudden, reality set in. It was yeah. not pretty. And uh, they're, they're sitting out there, and I mean, they're competitive, but they're not going to go all the way. And everybody no. knows they're not going to go all they the way. They know that, yeah. But uh, there's some players that are going to get a shot to come up and show what they can do. And that's what the, the minor leagues are for. And and uh, why at the end of the year, you get you, they expand rosters and things of that nature. So... They can look at some of those kids that are in the minor leagues, and now they want to see, well, whether they did all right in AAA, let's put them up against some major league pitching. And, oh, look at that. We got uh, we still got two series against teams that are battling out, you know, to try to get into yeah. the, you know, the World Series or whatever. All right, let's take a break. Paul Allen's our guest, GM from Travelers. We're going to talk with him another half hour when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Here's the news. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show let me remind you that May is uh, Motorcycle Awareness Month, and you want to make sure that uh, you're looking both ways, look twice to make sure there's no motorcycles out there. And if you need uh, some insurance, you want to go over and see uh, my buddy in Sherwood and let him talk to you because he rides bikes, and he can tell you what kind of insurance would be best for you. That's Dwayne Smith with Allstate Insurance over in Sherwood. I mean, he understands everything about owning a motorcycle and insuring it. Uh, just a couple of years ago, he went up to uh, uh, was it South Dakota, do his thing up there. Said he'd never do it again because too long of a ride. That his uh, his butt didn't have blood flowing to it correctly for uh, another month after he went up to Sturgis. So, bottom line, no more. Look, he doesn't want to say this, but it's because he's starting to get old. He can't handle the beating on the road that he gets in the motorcycle. But here's what he will do. You won't take a beating for your insurance. You'll get the right kind of insurance, the best kind of insurance you need, so that Mr. Mayhem is not going to be bothering uh, you. 
Get your quote on your insurance from him. They can offer you options for a wide variety of coverages as well. Get service on your home, your auto, your ATV, your boat, and a whole lot more. They'll even help with life insurance. All you need to do is call them, 501-819-0373, or stop by and visit with them, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood today. They'll do a good job for you. They really will. Plus, he's Navy, several guys there, Army. I think a couple of guys are Marines, and uh, they know that this is also uh, National Military Appreciation Month, and we're coming up on Memorial Day we'll, where we'll, uh, of course, salute our fallen. Uh, a lot of people go in the military, and it's always you're always doing something special. You give up things being in the military, but some people have given it all. They've given up their lives, and always remember they gave up their lives so that you can live yours in freedom. With that said, Back we go to talk a little bit more baseball. What more Americana can you talk than baseball? Get a hot dog, go see a, a baseball game, and if you got a Chevy and you can drive to the game in a Chevy, you got it, and you get a piece of apple pie while you're there too. Then you'll be all Americana. It'll like that. You got some things going on over this weekend, correct, Paul? Yeah, tonight is Bark in the Ballpark. So bring out your best friend, your four-legged friend. Come out and uh, first 300, get a rope frisbee. Oh, cool. Thanks to uh, Harvest Bank. Um, We're going to have an on-field parade. The Pulaski County Humane Society will be there with some dogs up for adoption. So come support them and uh, bring your your pup to the ballpark. Uh, Tomorrow night, we have a Rolex dig. So go on the field. This sounds very cool. After the game, men and women. Go on the field after the game is over and start digging, and someone is going to find a Rolex watch. Wow! Do you, are you going to put them like in the outfield somewhere and put a rope across it and then drop the rope and say go? No, we'll, we'll funnel them out there. We give them these nice plastic spoons so they can't do too much damage. Okay, yeah. We keep them on the dirt and uh, and one, two, three, go. Everyone starts digging. They all get confused. They're like, really? It's kind of hard. And they dig, 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 and then we sometimes we narrow their search a little bit, and then. You know, about 15 minutes later, somebody pulls somebody up a pulls box. Somebody pulls out a watch. Mm-hmm. That's going Sissy's Log Cabin behind Sissy's it? Log Cabin is behind it, and uh, they're a good partner of ours. And uh, we've done the diamond dig with them in the years past, where it was a diamond ring. This year, we wanted to change it up a little bit and do a Rolex. All right. That's cool. That's an expensive watch, by the way. Very. Men's or women. So oh, come on that's down. that's even better. Yep. Uh, then the next day on Saturday, we're uh, giving away the team card set, which we talked about. We got a lot of prospects in there from Evan White to Jake Fraley. Uh, and then uh, on Sunday, bring the kids out and do a pregame clinic. So let them learn from the pros. The gates open at noon with the game at oh, uh, 210. Um, then... You know what? We have a short uh, four-game series on the road. Then we're back home for Dizzy the Ballpark Pup's second birthday bash. So another dog <laughs> night. We'll have free cake for everyone in attendance. Oh, wow. Uh, that, that ballpark pup that Greg has, Dizzy, he's he's amazing. And uh, we're, we're there to celebrate his second year at the ballpark. And then June 1st, Saturday, June 1st, we're bringing back Colton Dixon. It's Faith and Family Night. Yep. We had him in 2013, and he packed the house. And that was before he was really well-known, you know, coming off American Idol. And now he's got another song coming out, and we're excited to have Colton Dixon on June 1st for Faith and Family Night. Oh, that's going to be great. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, ballparks have figured this out on the major league level, too. It's a great place to go watch a concert. There's no bad sight lines. Yeah. 
as far as that goes. You, wherever you're sitting, you're going to enjoy the the show. Yeah, it's a, a outdoor concert venues are are amazing. You know, it's just there's something about it. You know, when they turn on the lights and you're just you're outside you know even the river market amphitheater it's it's a lot of fun to watch shows out there and your team just got done stomping the other team that makes it always fun who are we playing that night we will be playing the tulsa drillers yet again oh second place team second place dodgers affiliate oh it's, uh, is that the dodgers double a yes sir very cool okay. so they generally have some pretty good prospects coming through yeah well that's a it's a great franchise i mean They've been uh, they've been to the big dance a lot, you know. They do their do their thing quite often. You know, I, I would say that they probably have the inside track in the National League to get back to to the to the uh, the World Series. So Magic Johnson's doing a little better on that side than the basketball. Yeah, side. Oh yeah. yeah. Did you ever <laughs> think you'd see the Lakers be in this much disarray? It's crazy. I mean, he they're in disarray. And then having LeBron go there, you'd think. Would stabilize some things, but the ball players didn't like him. Yeah, they didn't like him. They said, "Yeah, oh, yeah, I know you're making, but you know what? He's the right kind of guy." I know I'm not a big LeBron uh, fan because he he brings up the name of Jordan too often. Mm-hmm. But I, I, in 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 a way that you know I'm like Michael Jordan. I don't buy that. I think Jordan was the best that we'll ever see, basically. On the ball, uh, on the on the hard court, but LeBron is you know he's a family man. He's never had any even a sniff of of bad things about him. I mean yeah. he's he's a he's does a lot of great stuff in the community. You can't you can't diss the guy other than he thinks he's the greatest in the world. I mean that's the only thing. But he's pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to tell him he's not. Yeah, that's true. I mean the proof is in the pudding, and he's been producing a lot of pudding over the last few yeah. years. You know, as far as that's concerned. All right, but let's get back to baseball. I got I got some more time to fill here that I that I want to talk specifically uh, about the uh, the travelers. Let's let's talk about some names now. When when fans come out. You know the the ball players will sign autographs. I mean, oh, yeah. that's something to do. Who should people be zeroing in on? The one that that initially pops into my head is our first baseman Evan White. Okay, a very good good young man who has came up quickly. He came out of college and uh, just this past year won a Rawlings Gold Glove for minor league baseball first baseman. Cool job. All um, right. This kid, he is just he is. I mean, the proto, he's built like a baseball player. Mm-hmm. He's tall and he's got power. He's a heck of a fielder. And when Big you see hips. him standing at first base, <laughs> you're like, you know, and you watch some of the plays he makes, it's unbelievable. And fielding is so underrated anymore with the long ball and everyone hitting home runs or striking out. Yeah. But Evan, Evan is really good. And uh, you will probably see him get a September call up, I'm hoping. Oh, that would be very cool. Um, a couple, you know, the Mariners thought this was a rebuilding year at first, yeah. and then they got really good in the beginning of the season and kind of, uh, you know, came back down to earth. But they made a lot of trades, and some of those guys they got are here. Um, one of them is Dom Thompson Williams. He's an outfielder. He's hitting like three ten right now. Um, he is outstanding. 
um, just another good guy. He's not real vocal, but you know, you just watch him and he, he can hit the ball anywhere. He is really good. Uh, Jake Fraley is another guy they got in a trade. And Jake is an outfielder. He's got the big beard that's in right now. And he's just, he's awesome. You should he's, be playing with Houston, in, huh? <laughs> yeah. You no, know, we'll, we'll keep him. Colorado. Yeah. Colorado um, got the, the wild Outman doors look going on out there. Yeah. Just, where it was it Black, Blackman is in that Charlie Blackman. Yeah, he got that wild, wild, wild beard that he wears. Yeah, but he is a great ball player. Uh, pitching wise, you know, we got a we got a starter named Justin Dunn. Right or left? He is. Well, you called me out on that one. Okay, I can't remember, but he is he is really good, and uh, the team plays well when he's when he's on the mound too. I mean, there's something about it. It's a little bit of swagger, you know. You get out there, and when you know your starting pitcher is gonna going to keep you in the game and all you got to do is score a run and and you're going to win so he's really good as well and we okay. got him in a trade also. fire fireballer or junk i've seen his ball move pretty wickedly i was sitting behind home plate and i swore it was inside and then the ball just shot outside last second i just kind of i heard two or three people go whoa right at the same yeah. time i i thought that in my head and i was just like okay you know like he's got some movement well, you know, a lot of people like to see the guys like Quintana and stuff like that or Strasburg to get up there and they can get close to 100 miles an hour in a fastball. It's all right. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm more of the guy that likes to watch Greg Maddox pitch. Yeah. I mean, somebody who could literally paint the plate. He Say, okay, where you want it? Yep. Catcher put his mitt, and he'd put it right there. And really, he was he was, if you think about it, he was communicating more with the umpire. Umpire, where do you want it? Yeah. Okay, you're giving me an inch outside? Yeah, I'll How take about an it. inch and a half? Yeah, I'll take All it. All right, you're giving me that? How about yeah. two inches? Yeah. And he could just put it right there. He was amazing. Yeah, he was incredible. I love watching him. Hendricks is pretty close to him, who play, you know plays for the Cubs now. He's like that. When he's on, he's almost unhittable. Un- un- yeah. He, he, pay, he stays on the black of the plate instead of over the white of the plate. Mm-hmm. And that's all you got to do. All right, so now when we come back, let's just talk baseball in general. Rules changes are going on. There's the pitching clock. Let's talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Major League Ball Players Union, not big fans of it, but it's coming. We know it's all coming. All right, it's going to be there. They keep talking more and more, and they're putting more and more heat on the the behind-the-plate umpires. We're calling balls and strikes. Is that going to be history in the next five years, do you think? We'll come back and talk about that. It's Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. We're going to talk more about the Travelers, talk a little bit more about baseball. You want to join in on the conversation, 823-0965. you got a question about uh, the Travelers ball team, about how they run minor league ball versus major league ball. Here's your opportunity to talk. Okay, 823-0965. It is the Dave Ellswick Show. Now, Paul, we're almost done uh, with an hour. Flies by. I love having you on here and be able to talk baseball. I don't get to talk baseball very often uh, here on the show. Everybody says, well, talk politics, Dave. Well, I get tired of talking about politics. I like talking baseball and things of that nature. I like a lot of different things. All right, uh, PI Roofing Home Solutions want to remind you that they now have their uh, quality gutter cleaning service up and running. It's the highest uh, quality that you can get here in our central Arkansas area. 
You also get their comprehensive roofing. You get their home repair expertise. You know, if you get a uh, damage from a leak, uh, to try to get a contractor to come out and fix your ceiling, let's say, in your bedroom because you got a corner that's discolored because of the leak, it's kind of tough to do because they want bigger contracts, not little contracts. Well, that's not the way PI Roofing does business. You call them, tell the, uh, tell them you've got some problems that you need to be, uh, you know, directed at and fixed, like maybe some mold that, that you can see or something like that. And, uh, you know, Joel and his crew will come on out and take good care of you. That's PI Roofing. You go to their website to find out how to get a hold of them. PI Roofing.com. It's PI Roofing.com. Uh, I don't know about you, Paul, but I'm not happy with a lot of these ideas of changes uh, to baseball. The pitching clock, yeah, kind of, all right? Because there's some pitchers that take forever in between pitches. And, and I know what they're doing. It's all about, you know, throwing the rhythm of the hitter off because a lot of hitters like to dive right into the, the box and they want you to be delivering the pitch to them. If you make them wait, they get a little bit antsy and they might be swinging when they would never swing at the ball. Of course, if you get Baez up there, he'll swing at anything. You just get it close close to the plate he'll be swinging at it but the bottom line is that some of the things that they're talking about worry me you can only have five uh you know relief pitchers uh if a pitcher comes in they have to pitch to so many batters uh i'm not sure if i like that idea or not uh they've all they've been squeezing the strike zone for years Although I've seen them calling higher strikes this year more often than I've ever seen it happen. And that, of course, may, gives the pitcher uh, a little bit of a, a an, an edge. That's why we've seen ERAs keep going up because they've made them have to throw the ball almost right down the tunnel every time and, uh, and get it past the batter. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't – I don't like that. I don't like – some of the other things that they're they're talking about, and the one that I really hate, taking the umpire away from behind the plate and uh, using you know computers to call the strikes and the balls. What do you think? I think you. I, I applaud Major League Baseball for at least looking at ideas, yeah, and kind good. of messing with ideas. Yeah. Um, I don't think most of these ideas you'll ever see make it to Major League Baseball. I hope not. They've used us. They've used the minor league system uh, for a few years now, especially with that time clock. I think the time clock could be a good thing on our level because what are baseballs? Baseball players, they're creatures of habit, right? So right. they do the same thing every single time. That's so you what those have, batters are doing up there. You yeah. have these guys that are kind of growing up in the system of minor league baseball that are going to get used to moving a little bit faster. What, I think it saved us like seven minutes the first year on an average game uh, when we put that clock in. But if that can translate up to the big leagues, so all the big league players, once they get there, they're not even that clock won't be there. That clock will be in their head, and they'll just be used to moving faster. Now, what Major League Baseball did do this offseason was they entered into an agreement with an independent league, the Atlantic League, out on the west or on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And they threw some crazy rules at them. They actually, the second half of their season, they're going to move the mound back 24 inches. 
We're already 60 feet 6 inches. Add another 24. That's going to be rough for those pitchers. Uh, Yeah. The reason they didn't do it to us is because they don't want to mess up our players that are in their system. Well, the independent leagues, especially the Atlantic League, a lot of those guys are are finished with their career. and They're kind of just hanging on. Uh So they're not affiliated with any major league club. Another thing they're going to do is our technology is so great now with balls and strikes. You talk about that human element of having the umpire. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about Greg Maddox, how he can manipulate a strike zone based on what the umpire is calling. Right. Well, they're using the Atlantic League for helping to see what Trackman, this system called Trackman, which is a radar, they're going to allow the that league is going to allow Trackman to assist umpires with balls and strikes. So they're not doing it to us. They're doing it to an independent league. So we're just trying have, to see. We're going to have a, a, a whole group of window stats behind the plate where the ball comes in, you hear the mitt pop, and you wait for two seconds to see whether it Green calls. light, yeah. red light. Yeah. You know, the window stat was terrible about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, it's. I applaud them for looking at ideas. Um because, you know, we got to continue to grow the game, and part of growing the game is getting younger fans. Yeah. Um, you know. What is it that the younger fans say that they don't like about baseball other than they got to think? I think part of it is attention span. You know, we're wow. like the phones and the tablets, they're always right there. Um, so another thing that minor league and major league baseball are doing, we're, we're engaging with fans during the game on – their phone good that's what you need to do there's no doubt about that that's also why those nets are further down than ever right because everyone's looking down in the ball yeah. yeah so it's you know it, it's inevitable that things change um so thankfully you know the, the major league game has not changed as much as as what we've seen them play with the minor leagues and independent leagues. as far as pitching goes was the last big change after gibson when they lowered the mound because you know bob gibson had that, what was it, almost a sub-one ERA because he threw so hard and he had such a great breaking ball. Uh, then they lowered, I think they, what, they lowered the mound by, was it almost six inches, wasn't it? In addition to that, you know, they may not be messing with the height of the mound anymore, but what we're looking at is the balls and hemidors or, you know, the humidity, like in, in Colorado, they, they have them in a hemidor so that it doesn't affect the ball as much. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And I how are heard the balls stored? How are they stored? Yeah. You know, how old are they? Um, that, that can affect the game. Um, the ball in, in Major League is actually the laces are slightly lower than the ball we use in the minor leagues. So if we have a Major League pitcher come down and do a, a rehabilitation um, with us, we get Major League balls because those laces are lower, and that's what they have to throw. Okay. And so... You know, the ball is different. There's other things that are going to change that we may just not pay as much attention to. You may to. not know about. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely might not know about. This year, thus far, I'm going to give you a stat that'll freak you out. There's been about 8,500 base hits thus far. And that counts, you know, for, you know extra base or just an, a base hit. But there's been 11,000 strikeouts. It's all or nothing. I remember you'd look at a guy's stat line and say 20 strikeouts for a season. Yeah, not now. That's a, that's a week. You don't worry about it anymore. Paul, it's always a pleasure. Let's have you back on again just, just to talk baseball. Thank you, Dave. It's fun. Thank you much. Get out, watch a game this weekend. The weather's going to be beautiful. It's a Dave Ellswick Show.
Robert Steinbach, next on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, I didn't mention to you about movies today. Uh, Matt's not here, but I, I, well, that's tomorrow. Take that back. I'm, for some reason, I, I know what it is. Shane I'm, will be here tomorrow, though. Yeah, Shane Stacks will be there. And and you can get him. He's got an interesting subject tomorrow in the first hour. They're having some problem over in Maumelle with dogs. And uh, he's got alderman on and maybe the mayor tomorrow to talk about it. I guess it's a big subject over in Maumelle. He's going to be talking about it. So uh, keep that in mind. He's got an alderman from North Little Rock coming in as well. That's in the final half hour of the show. So a puppy poop Friday. Yeah, that's what it is. Puppy poop Friday. Should have had it today so that uh, take the puppy over after the show and go to the ball game. Because it's, what is it, bark at the park. Bark in the park. That's it. You got to remember that. But tomorrow, just so you know, make uh, it's going to be kind of a, a kids' uh, weekend because Aladdin opens up uh, tomorrow, and that's uh, the live-action version of the cartoon. It's going to be back in, be in the theaters. Will Smith is playing the genie and, and all of that, so you'll want to go uh, check that out if you've got kids. Uh, the blue, the cold blue is going to be on, and the one that I'm really interested in and would go be going to see uh, tonight, if I were going to be here tomorrow, Brightburn. This, I saw the um, Parabellum. What's that? Part three of the John. Oh, did Wick you go series? see it? I did see it. Okay, don't don't give it any away. But I did, did you enjoy it? I thought it was okay, but it has what I call the Crunchberry effect, which is, of course, you know uh, Captain Crunch, the cereal. Yeah. Then they came out with Crunchberries where they put these little berries in it. Right. And then they sold Crunchberries separately as a cereal. And the problem with the Crunchberries is. Too much Crunchberry. Okay. And the problem with John Wick 3, too much Crunchberry. Too much John Wick running around, you know, flipping people over and shooting them in the head. Perfectly <laughs> perfectly good move. But when you see for the 86th time in the first 45 minutes of the movie, it might get a little old. Did you enjoy the, the uh, salute, the homage to, uh, what was it, um, Oh, I forget the movie that Michael Douglas did back in the late 80s, maybe early 90s, uh, where he was fighting the Jakuza Jakuza over in in Japan, and they they always showed up with samurai swords on motorcycles. And so they showed up in this movie. You you think it was an homage to that movie, maybe? Yeah, it was that one, and there's another one that's out that I have not seen yet, but evidently they do a lot of samurai sorts. It definitely had that sense of... 1980s to 1980s Bruce Lee karate yeah and and what's it what's the guy um Walker Ranger what's his name oh yeah you're uh, talking, the actor yeah I know who um, you're talking about Who's, yeah. who played Walker Texas Chuck, Chuck Norris yeah Chuck Norris there was yeah. an element of that and I liked that because you know about Superman right no he wears Chuck Norris pajamas yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, right. Yeah, he's a bad, bad. In ass, fact, right? when you look in mm-hmm. that movie and in part two, right, there's direct correlations on right. those movies and the uh, Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. Enter the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So there, listen, there were a lot of nice elements in the movie and visually. It's, didn't it, you think? Didn't you think that Holly Berry was great? I thought she was good. I thought she, her acting seemed a little strained in it. Well, that's because 
it wasn't about knowing your lines, but knowing your choreography. Right, right. Or you right. got hurt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get hurt bad. Right. Six months. Right. She worked on that one long hated sure. scene that I'm she sure. did. Yeah. It's, it's, but it's a fun movie. It was a fun movie. And Absolutely. I liked how they left it for number four, which has been no, has been said it's coming out in 2021. Yeah. It'll be the last one. Uh, number four might be a, a, a video for me. I don't want to see it jump the shark. Yeah, that's you know. I, I, I'm afraid we were driving very close to the shark in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. See, I think it's, I like that. I, like, I think it's yeah. the best of the three. In fact, oh yeah, I did not think that. Yeah, I know yeah. you didn't. Yeah. I could tell by what you were telling me. <laughs> I want to go see Brightburn. Are you familiar with this? I movie? I don't even know what that okay. is. Okay, Brightburn is a take on Superman, except they turn it on its head. What would have happened? It was was it. Kal-El, is that his name, his real name? Yes. Superman, had come to Earth, but he wasn't a good guy. Mm-hmm. All right. What if right. he grew up and right. he was a delinquent? A yeah. Yeah, that's what Brightburn is That'd all cool. about. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go see it, but I, I would be seeing it tonight, but I'm, um, I've been told that I got to show up at the, the folks that we're going down to New Orleans with uh, tomorrow and... I have been promised chicken and dumplings. Well, there you go. I will not miss chicken and dumplings for a movie. So, especially since it's, I don't know if it's going to be good or not. Right. But I will be back and next Thursday, a week from tonight, I will be in fifth row, 11 and 12, to watch, you know what movie opens? No. Okay. So, next week, Thursday night, um... You got to come to my house. I'll take you to the movie. Okay. We go it see depends God. what the movie is. We go, we're going to go see Godzilla. Godzilla. Ooh. Godzilla is Ooh. out next week, brother. Oh, that's nice. We'll take you. Uh, who's who's starring in it? Uh, well, let's see. Billy Bobby or whatever her name is from Stranger Things. Oh, okay. The young later right, lady right. that's in that. Uh, what's her name from the Conjuring movies? Fama... I don't know how she pronounces her yeah. last name. She's in it. Uh, not a lot of big name stars mm-hmm. because most of the money is being spent on the CGI. Right, right. I mean, the star of the show is Godzilla. Right, right. And you got Rodan. Nice. You got Mothra and Ghidra. I used to watch all of the original Japanese Absolutely. movies. On, in New York, it was Channel 11. Uh, Night, the, midnight show? Morning show. No, Sunday mornings. morning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they were great. If there's anybody out there that wants to get behind a midnight show on television on one of the lo- on the local channels here, mm-hmm. Shane Stacks and I are looking for somebody who wants to get behind it and show old horror movies, and we'll host it. Oh wow! And have fun. Well, yeah. We'll give you we'll give you a lot of good information, yeah. but we'll make fun of the movies. Sure, sure. You you know I'll show you where you can watch Creature of the Black Lagoon and see the zipper. Right. Of the monster. Of the monster, right. And, of course, you only have to watch a couple of Godzilla movies from Toho Studios to see that, and know that that's the guy in a rubber suit. That's the original. You want to see the, the worst movie they ever made for Godzilla was Godzilla versus King Kong. And I'm really excited about next year when that's going to be back on the big screen. And now it's going to be the real King Kong taking on the real Godzilla, and that should be a fun battle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm all about that. Now, I don't know if they're going to work at these. The way they've been doing the Godzilla saga now 
is that you got all of these uh, monsters that, and I think they said it, they kind of gave it away a little bit in the trailer. Seventeen of them are out there. Wow. We're only going to see three of them in this movie, and and Godzilla's taking them on. I'm kind of interested that Mothra, who I always thought as a good guy, right. In the movies, right. is looking to be playing a bad guy, hmm. kind of. I'd be kind of interested to see how that all uh, plays out on on the, on the movies. And I, I want to know if they're going to have the two little Asian girls. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, singing, Mothra. Right, right, right. Well, that's part of the whole story. They sing better than I do, okay? But, <laughs> you know. What would that. really be interesting is if they have all the characters speak out of sync with the voice, like <laughs> they did because they dubbed it from Japanese on the original. That would the be 50s. so good. Yeah. Are there any of those movies back in the day? Because you saw, you you grew that's up a, on the 50 movies, that's too. Right. The, that's the original, right. That's right. you know, universal films and all of that. Are there any of those that you wish... They would take seriously and remake all of them. All of them. Yeah. I, I loved all of them. I thought they were yeah. they were just fun. You know. I think that they, you know, what they've done with Godzilla is fantastic. Yeah. I re, I remember how fired up I got when they were they mentioned they were going to redo Godzilla, and right. they ended up making a Godzilla look like an iguana, right. and I was like. No, no, that just doesn't work. Right. And then this last time when they came out with King Kong, that was awesome. That was awesome. I, uh, when I was young, my mom would always alert me when one of those movies was on television. And my dad and I used to go see not those movies in the theater because those weren't in the theater at the time. But these really low budget horror films like Ants, you know, and these giant ants take over oh, yeah. a community or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Really yeah. kind of, uh, another one was uh, Food of the Gods, I think, where, again, like giant bugs or something take yeah, over. Yeah, that was Ants. It was Ants. That was okay. Ants. Yeah. That, that was a, bo- a book written by, um, oh, not, not the guy that did 19, it wasn't 1984, it was... Maybe uh, I'll look it up. It was one of the great authors who wrote that, and the book was really a lot, a lot better than the movie. Oh, the movie was, was a low budget, was terrible nonsense. Well, how about the really great, the bad ones? You know, Killer Shrews. I've never seen that. How about um, uh, Attack uh, Attack of the Leech People? Never saw it. Okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> never saw any of these. <laughs> I'm talking some of the good ones. The Mole People. Never they saw had it. that one. This, there's others. There's others. There's real there low many, budget many, stuff, yeah. but really good stuff. Now, in the '50s, some of the stuff was really good. You remember them? That was about. That's Hans. a great movie. That's a great movie. That's a great James movie. Whitman in yeah. that, and yeah. James Arness. Yeah. Um, uh, the one, uh, the thing. The, That's uh, a great movie. Not the Carpenter movie. That was a great. They both had different takes on it. Mm-hmm. The uh, Howard Hawks, the original, was a takeoff on the Red Scare. Mm. Okay. And then the later one was a takeoff on AIDS. Oh, was that right? Yeah, it was in the blood, remember? Yeah. What about the um, inv- the various versions of the invasion of the body snatchers? Yeah, that's been good. Those have been you great know, movies. As much as I like the first one, the mm-hmm. black and white, all right. right? I really like a lot the Donald Pleasance one. Yeah, Not Donald I'd- Pleasance, uh, uh, the guy from MASH. Donald uh, Sutherland. Sutherland, yeah. Uh, his, yeah, his I think that was the best it. one, actually. That was really That's right. good. Uh, and it had, the, the, uh, Jeff Goldblum was in that. Yeah. A very young Jeff Goldblum was in that. And they turned it on us because the woman switched on the first one, but it was Sutherland that went That's bad. That's right, yeah. That was very good. 
And he had like a really weird yell at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy. That's a good one. Another movie that I love. I can't watch it today and not get nightmares. The Blob. I've seen, I, I saw it many, many years ago. I, th- I think I liked it, but I The I first movie had Steve right. McQueen in it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah well, that's his, interesting. His Stephen McQueen Stephen in, the, McQueen, in right. the cast credits. But uh, then they made a new one uh, in the 80s, which was the CGI was better. Right. And it was very good. But they got another one that's coming out here in the next couple of years that I got to think with what they can do now should really well, bring the creep they can yeah. bring the creep factor up yeah. big time yeah best part in the, the remake was the girl who was in the cafeteria and trying to get away from it and runs to call her boyfriend from the phone booth and the blob falls on top of the phone booth and starts running down the sides and you can see the various people that it has eaten in various stages of digestion running down the side of the phone booth, and then she's screaming, and all of a sudden she goes, whoop, like that, and just crushes inside, and it gets her. Hey, good part in that movie. Yeah. Now you're getting me in my ball, my real wheelhouse here. You understand that, what right? What can I tell you? I love horror movies. Mm-hmm. You like horror movies? I loved them as a kid. I don't watch them really much as an adult anymore. I got away from them a little bit. I thought the first Saw was really, really good that James Wan did. I've never seen any of them. And when they moved away from that... And more to just devices to torture people. I wasn't yeah. into that uh, part of, the, of the, that genre. But, uh, yeah, a good horror movie. I like the Conjuring ones. Those have really been I've very, very good. Yeah. Ooh, you got to see some. All right. Godzilla <laughs> next night. Thursday, buddy. Okay. Real quick, you talk about James Wan. Yes. Have you seen, I, I don't know how much you've seen of this trailer, but for a, a show on the DC Universe channel. Which one? Or DCUniverse.com. Swamp Thing. I've heard good things about it. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I've just seen I the I just trailers. remember the Adrian Babeau movie. It's you remember her. Looking. There were two things about that show I loved. <laughs> Both <I'm> of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, I hear she makes some, uh, she's making some appearances in, in the show. Yeah. Now, do you have to go there and and pay to see these this stuff yeah i'm not exactly sure i gotta check that out here in just a minute yeah because i'm in the dc universe i'm interested in that the next big streaming service that i will take is disney that's coming in november and they they had to have scared netflix to death well just because you're going to get all the marvel stuff no no it's more than that and all the monsters yeah think about this I pay $17 and some odd cents now for Netflix. Disney's coming, and to get their stuff, $6 and something. Holy cow. And you get all the Fox stuff and everything. Oh, I got to bring something. I know we got to take a break. We're behind on a break. And I'm sitting here, and Robert's going, are we going to talk politics? Sure. Maybe not. This is politics, too. Yeah. Let me just, yeah, all... All science fiction has a political basis, of just course. let you know on that. But bottom line is, is that, what was I going to tell you? Is this a, I'll come back and tell you. All right. We got to take a break. Let me get it in. It's Dave Ellswick's show. Robert Steinbach is here. He is a legal professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily though those of the university or 
uh, the school of law because, let's face it, they're not cool enough to watch monster movies. Okay, so you all who love movies like I love movies and you like science fiction like I like science fiction, which is like a lot, and you like horror movies and stuff like that, I'm, I'm, I got a high propensity for that kind of stuff. I really do. I'll go see some of the most dreadful movies just to see if somebody can scare me. But uh, they just came out with a new trailer, and, and when I say it, there's going to be people that go, oh, no, I got to sit through another one of those. Well, no, you don't have you to don't sit through. Don't, 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 don't pay your money. Don't go, okay? Do me a favor. Just stay out of the theater when I'm there so I don't have to listen to you in the background going, was that just stupid? That would never happen. Uh, anyway, I don't want to know about that. The new Terminator trailers out uh russ i don't know about you but i like i like the terminator series i, I like the alien series oh, alien although there were a, a couple in the middle were lousy mm. but the first two and then the most recent two were very good yeah it's good stuff this yeah. new one's going to be great and here's why linda hamilton's back sarah connor's is back and she plays a major part in the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, in she the trailer. She plays Sarah Connor. Yeah, she plays yeah. Sarah Connor right. again. And she uh, she looks badass. Mm-hmm. She looks in gr- She's like, she's in her late 60s now. She wow. looks like she's in her 40s. Wow. I'm, I'm sure some of that's makeup, but I bet she hit the gym hard mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how great she looked in the second that's movie? Right. That's Whoosh. right. That's right. Anyway. And and that's why I don't buy into that whole thing about no strong female role models, you know, until just recently. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. me too. Margaret uh, Thatcher, no. yeah. Golda Meir. Well, listen, I go back. Uh, Indira Gandhi. I'm not what? even talking huh? reality. I'm, I know, I'm but talking, that's just, you know, fake. I'm just so tired of the leftist tropes on. Yeah, I and, agree. And there are all of these excuses so that they can continue their identity And because politics. you millennials don't know your damn history, that's right. you think that... You're you're, you know, making all of this right. new stuff up. You're not making nothing. You you're playing off of some great women actors and actresses in the past. I got a call from Bloomberg News today for a quote on this uh, adversity score on the SATs. You know, and I said, well, you know, they can do whatever they want. They're a private company. But here's the thing about the uh, you know, it's so stupid. Right? Uh, you know, what the SAT is going to not only give you your score, but they're going to give you your, your adversity score based on wh- where, where you, you grew, grew up, up and, and wh- what school you went to. And, and I said, where you abused as a child? Yeah, you know, do, was there too much hot sauce on your uh, on your hamburger? Enchilada. right? <laughs> a hamburger, whatever. You know, one day. Um, and so uh, I said to the to the reporter, I said, look, there's nothing new about this. We do, we do this all the time. And it's legitimate to take into account if someone's scores are artificially depressed by external factors. What's not legitimate is to take someone whose score is not artificially um, depressed and put him in that spot because of some form of social engineering mm-hmm. and identity politics. Because guess who that hurts first? First, it hurts that candidate because his chances of succeeding are greatly diminished. Then it hurts anybody who uh, 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 comes into contact with that person. In other words, so if if you go to medical school or law school uh, and and then you graduate, who are you serving? We'll talk about it when we come back. Yep. No, we're on. I just got done showing Robert Terminator. It's. I thought it was uh, something, uh, Dark Fate. I'll definitely say it. what it's called. Tim Miller is directing. He is the man. Who directed Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. That's which was right. A great so movie, he's, he's directing that. So the, the uh, writers. But you got to get excited about 
It's James Cameron wrote the main story. Oh wow! So you know, I'll I'll stick with that man's vision. He's he's you know, you may not like him. I can't stand him to be honest as an individual. But yeah. I will tell you this: he makes a good movie. He is very he makes talented. A good movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, One very nothing. very talented. Yeah. He used to be married to Linda Hamilton. That was his second wife, I think. Yeah. He, he divorced his first wife when he was to marry working, Linda to Hamilton. Marry <laughs> Linda Hamilton, yeah. And then uh, his first wife was the director of that very good movie uh, about the bomb disposal unit in Iraq. It won an Academy Award. Oh, no, Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. She, that's his first wife. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. She's just coming into her own. That's right. As far as a director. That's right. Is. Uh, how many years has it been since Linda Hamilton has been in a Terminator movie? You want to take a guess? 25. Okay. How long, Russ? How long since Linda Hamilton has been in the franchise? Uh, I'm not going to say 25. I'm going to say more like 12. 27 years. It's been that long since? 27 years since number two. Mm-hmm. That's the last time she was in one. Where do I win? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Can't be on my show. Huh? Russ, <laughs> Russ, I want a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Give me a dollar. a dollar. I'll double your paycheck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, 27 years. Mm-hmm. It took him, it's going to take him that long to really, really get it right mm-hmm. again. Right. Yeah. And they got the right director, no doubt about it. And mm-hmm. this, I think this guy is... You know, got a, he's young enough that he can bring a little different feel to it. Sure. Kind of think it. Sure. It's, that's why it's R-rated. They wanted Weren't to make they it, always R-rated? They, well, yeah, but yeah. they wanted to make this as PG-13, oh, and he yeah. said, sign yeah. me off then. Right, right. And he stayed around to, to do it. So oh, I saw the, the teaser for The Joker. I'm not seeing that movie. That is some creepy looking stuff. That is some. <laughs> it's the dark side. Oh man, that's creepy. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the 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 Suicide Squad one. The, the oh, sirens. there's another one coming up. Yeah, the sirens. Yeah, which got uh, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, doggone it! From uh, the, the the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Margot Robbie is in it mm-hmm. again. She's mm-hmm. playing. She's playing the, one of the, the women. Mm-hmm. Gosh, my mind's not working. My mind is on. I'm getting ready to go on vacation for four days, and I hate to tell you this, but I'm kind of I'm I'm more stoked up right now about uh, going and spending four days in New Orleans than, than I have it in a lot. I need some some really get away from it all for a right. while, right? And it's hard to get away from it, of course. This craziness is that uh, is is Nancy Pelosi. Oh I mean, my gosh. Nancy Pelosi. This whole thing about the president's covering up—it's that's crap, folks. It's well, pure unadulterated cover, what? smelling what? crap. If it smells like it, if it looks like it, if it feels she, like she it for her, her she sure I'm sure tasted it before. The bottom line is she um, she showed her hand yeah. because it is a true statement, and she repeated this that. In criminal matters, often the cover-up is worse than a crime. And, of course, the example of that is Martha Stewart, who actually didn't do anything illegal initially, but then she tried to cover up the fact that she didn't do anything illegally yep. and got charged with obstruction. Why you don't want to have to deal with uh, federal prosecutors. Well, you never want to get your sleeve caught in that machine if you, if you can avoid it. Uh, and so 
Nancy said, well, the cover-up's worse than the crime. She showed her hand. She figures the only you can't get them on the crime. There ain't no crime. So um, she looks to the left and she looks to the right and she goes, "We'll get them on the cover up." Well, what cover up? Doesn't matter. I'll just say there's a cover up. She never said what there was a cover up of. Yeah. Other than because there is no cut thing to the, be covered. The only up. thing that's covered up when when I see her on television is is her face with her hand always in front of the camera. I've never seen someone who gesticulates so much so as to block her own view of the camera. Because the work that she had done is starting to fail. Oh, she wants to, she wants to dodge it? Is that <laughs> what it I, is? I really think that's the case. I don't know. Have you noticed? I don't know. I, I, you know, it's one of those things that's like when they say, uh, you know, uh, uh, not too close on the close-up, Ms. DeMille, right? You know, it's like I haven't looked very closely, so I couldn't say. Well, I'm telling you what. Some people do a little nip and tuck. She's an older and woman. And it's good. Nancy did it. She looked like a snare drum when she first got it done, and now it's starting to loosen up. I'll tell you another person, so nobody calls me misogynist. Dennis Quaid looks terrible, what he's done to his face. Well, Joe Biden obviously has Yeah, he's had some stuff done. Nobody's talking about it. A little bit, but only in the conservative stations, actually. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's because, you know, he's a guy, and they're not going to say anything about it. They always point that out about women. I always feel sorry about women. They change the color of their hair. You know, they're going to mention, does she dye her hair? They're going to mention it because she's, of course, if she's dyeing her hair, she's trying to cover up her age or whatever. Right, and right. that doesn't matter who. Look at Joni Ernst. They're saying that about her now. Yeah. yeah. Makes no. no sense. But look, that woman, I'm speaking about Pelosi, mm-hmm. has served her time in the, in, in the spotlight. It, her 15 minutes has run out a long, long time ago. And uh, this whole thing about they keep talking about impeachment uh, I saw, is it Dingle? Not Dingle. What's her name? The one from Michigan. Is Dingle. Is that Dingle? Yeah. Okay. Who's the, the congresswoman? Yeah. And she's and like the, number three in the pecking order or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. She was talking uh, yesterday in on the news. I f- wasn't on Fox. I saw her. And she said to go after impeachment was ridiculous. I told you, I think they should do it. Because I think then it guarantees Trump the re-election. I'm just saying. I know. Just uh-huh. think about that. Right. A dingle. A right. dingle. Right. Saying don't don't right. do it right. because we're going to lose. We'll no, lose on this. Lose. Of course they'll lose. They're going to lose anyway, but, right, but they'll, they'll lose they'll the election. Bigger. It'll guarantee that they lose the election. Yeah. I think. Look, I, I think if I were to judge it today that tr- Trump will re- win re-election. But it's really early to say. Yes, so it it's is. Not, it's not much of a prediction at the and the, and the Democrats. Uh, you know, there are more Democrats uh, running now than, I don't know, than there are children 25. in grade school, right? Yeah, so it's you really can't make much of a prediction about who even is going to win that. And some of them are running, really trying to get the nomination. Others are running just to raise their name recognition sure. so they might make it to the cabinet or yeah. something else. Or, and then, of course, you have the one... Uh, that stands out amongst all the others, which is um, de Blasio, because he's such an <laughs> exceptional politician as well as leader. By the way, folks, had you not noticed, my tongue was firmly implanted in my oh, cheek man. so as to express sarcasm. Uh, what a political hack. And I've said it from day one, and you know I'm originally from New York, so I perhaps, perhaps have a slightly better understanding of the type of politician that he is. But he's just, he's an, he's an abomination is what he is. He's yeah. awful. All right. When we come back, 
Julian Assange is yeah. back in. And by the way, somebody had asked me, uh, Avenetti. Avenetti, yeah. Yeah. 63 counts. Oh, my goodness. If he was found guilty of all of them. I looked this up for a listener. Right. right. All right. 63 counts if he's found guilty of all of them and given the maximum sentence, right. 400 years. Yeah. Serve concurrently, but, but he might he he might get off easy with with a mere three hundred. Yeah, maybe you know. just three hundred years. Yeah, exactly. And we'll put him next to Bubba. All right, Dave Ellswick show. Stay tuned when we come back. We're going to talk about Julian Assange here on the Dave Ellswick show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick show. Uh, we did want to mention since we were talking about Avenatti there just a moment ago. May have right. four hundred years in prison facing him. Uh, you remember when he came out with Stormy Daniels and. You know, they had all this information and they're going to blow apart the, oh, yeah. the investigation and all that other stuff. Uh, you were reminding me that, you know, MS, uh, uh, NBC were all over him oh. and even CNN. And yeah. they were literally like, calling You're for him so to run for president. Fantastic. Yeah, you should run for president. Yeah. You're the greatest. Stephanie Rule on MSNBC uh, uh, was saying that over and over again. And it's an embarrassment. They should be embarrassed by yeah, that. Well, they should. They won't be because they're part of the left. They're right. never embarrassed. Right. They have. They, they don't know from embarrassment. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. All right. So we got to Julian Assange. And let me uh, pull up the story. Because I don't want to get it wrong. I do want to get this right. Uh, Isn't it interesting, as you pull up the story, Dave, yeah. Julian Assange, who was the left's favorite person uh, when he was disclosing stuff about the Bush administration and the war in Iraq. Uh, and then all of a sudden he disclosed stuff about Hillary. Wah-ah! Wah-ah! Not so good, according to the left. Right. Because, you see, the way they judge the law, Dave, is how good is it for me? Meaning, of if the law harms you as a conservative, according to the leftists, that's a good law. Mm-hmm. If the law harms them as leftists, well, that's a bad law. Well, no, conservatives view the law in the following way. The law applies to everybody equally. If you do something against it, against the law, you get punished. If you don't, you don't get punished. But that's that's a radical idea to the left. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Federal grand jury returned an 18-count superseding indictment. What's a superseding it indictment? It means it kicks out the last one, and this one takes its place. Okay. On uh, uh, today, charging WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange with a slew of offenses over his alleged role in one of the largest leaks of classified information in U.S. history, the indictment alleged that Assange coordinated with former Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning to leak classified documents related to U.S. war and diplomacy efforts around the world. U.S. officials claimed Assange worked in tandem with Manning to break into a classified government computer. Manning, who served several years in prison for uh, leaking to WikiLeaks, was jailed in March after refusing to testify to a grand jury regarding WikiLeaks. In response to the charges, WikiLeaks tweeted today, this is madness, is the end of national security journalism and the First Amendment. The indictment specifically alleges that Assange agreed to receive classified documents from Manning and aided and abetted her, him, he, she, in obtaining classified information with reason to believe that the information was to be used to the injury of the United States or the advantage of a foreign nation, 
unquote. And that's the key there, Dave, right? Because espionage is not just stealing secret material. It's spying for the other side. It's it's spying for the bad guy. And that's where, and I'm no fan of Assange, mind you, but that's where the press in, in their articles are discussing this First Amendment issue. If you're just displaying information mm-hmm. in the news, in the media, that's... It's it's a bit of a leap to call that espionage. I'm not saying they can't get there. I don't know. I'd have to think more about it. But that's the intellectual leap uh, that implicates the First Amendment. All right. So the indictment charges that Assange published the unredacted names of sources who gave information to U.S. forces in Iraq and Afghanistan, as well as uh, to U.S. State Department diplomats around the world. The sources included journalists, religious leaders, local Afghans and Iraqis, as well as political dissidents from repressive regimes. Assange's actions risk serious harm to United States national security, to the benefit of our adversaries, and put the unredacted named human sources at a grave and imminent risk of serious physical harm and or arbitrary detention, according to the superseding indictment. Ben Brandon, a lawyer representing U.S., said in court earlier this month that American investigators had acquired details of communications between Manning and Assange in 2010. The two had allegedly, quote, engaged in real-time discussions regarding Chelsea Manning's dissemination of confidential records to Mr. Assange, unquote. He added that the records downloaded from a classified computer included 90,000 activity reports from the war in Afghanistan, 400,000 Iraq war-related reports, 800 Guantanamo Bay detainee assessments, and 250,000 State Department cables. Also earlier this month, Assange 47 told a British court he won't agree to be extradited to the U.S. where he's facing the charges of conspiracy to hack a Pentagon computer. Yeah. Like I said, the issue here is not whether he was involved in criminal activity and assisting in stealing information, that kind of thing. That clearly was. The question is whether or not that constitutes spying, espionage, which is a very particular type of crime. Uh, And there is a First Amendment issue. I'm not suggesting that they can't overcome it. I don't know yet. Uh, It's going to take some more thinking, and and I'd like to see what other people have to say about it. Uh, But it's it's not an easy issue. Uh, And like I said, what, what I do find telling is that The conservatives have maintained a steady uh, concern about his behavior. Uh, The liberals, uh, not so much, because when he was helping uh, attack conservatives, oh, well, you know, what's the big deal? Of course, they pardoned uh, Chelsea Manning. What was was Chelsea Manning's name when she was uh, a a male corporal or whatever it was? I don't even remember. Never changed from being male uh, before Uh, she started fooling everybody thinking he was a female when she went to Chelsea. I forget. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, but, you know, Chuck, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, she, um, uh, uh, Chelsea Manning, uh, stole the stuff. She got, a well, she was a he at the time. He got a very long sentence. Uh, and then Obama pardoned or commuted, whichever, meaning uh, Chelsea Manning was out after seven years. Yes. Why? Because what Chelsea Manning did, was against conservatives. If Chelsea Manning was involved like 
Assange was in disclosing some of the nefarious behavior of Hillary Clinton, uh, Obama would have never pardoned him. And, and, and it just goes to or her, excuse me, pardon her. Um, but it just goes to show you, you know, by the way, if I were in Canada, I'd probably get arrested for making that mistake. Um, but it just goes to show you uh, that the left is completely dominated by their political bias. If it's good for the left, it's good. If it's bad for the left, it's bad and vice versa regarding conservatives. There's no there's no. Uh, equal application of the law in their minds because it's all a scam, right? It's all about just well, we're we we are good, say the left. So mm-hmm. any law that it, we're here to take care of, yeah, you. we're going to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. Well, this is like when you see I've seen this too often regarding transparency issues, right? And and uh, uh, they say, oh well, but we're in charge. We wouldn't do anything wrong. Yeah, that's not for you to decide. That's why we have transparency laws. I had a very nice time, by the way, up in Fort Smith, uh, talking to the transparency group yeah, up there. Yeah, I go. It went very well, very well. Uh, Joey McCutcheon, who is uh, the head of that group, um, put on this presentation. We held it in the Fort Smith Library. Very nice building. It's like uh, the Hall of Fame of uh, you know people for transparency. How oh, do you two Joey together? McCutcheon, absolutely. Joey's Joey's a big transparency advocate. Does some wonderful work, as you know. Chris Corbett does some wonderful work in transparency work. Um, John Tull does some uh, wonderful work. Uh, John Tull is over here in uh, Quattlebaum. Um, does some uh, excellent work on transparency. So there's some real good players in the game in Arkansas. Uh, but we have to co- constantly be vigilant when it comes to transparency because time – Chris Corbett, I just mentioned, had a case against Little Rock Wastewater, and they made a claim that was just nonsense regarding transparency law. And he they filed some brief. He wrote a response. Uh, and then guess what they said? Oh, you know what? You're right. We're wrong. Yeah, but, and they do that just yeah. to draw it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I fear that's the case too often. That's what they state. use yeah. the courts for. for. Yeah. Uh, Short circuit everything. Right. And the fact is that these uh, these government bureaucrats work for you. When they tell you, oh, I have to do my work, the response is, this is your work. This is what you get paid for. And you get paid for with my tax dollars. That's right. Plain and simple. So quit, uh, quit, quit arguing yeah, about quit, it. Yeah, quit aching and go do, go do the job. You pay your money. That's right. Stop it. If you don't, we'll come get you. There you go. Well, you know, from time to time you see a criminal prosecution. I think it was Larry Jegley brought the criminal prosecution against the uh, the guy who was the head of the housing authority here in Little Rock. Um, he wound up winning. Actually, Chris Corbett defended him, um, and he wound up winning that case. But that was a good case that Jegley brought. I mean, he was right on the facts. Um, he just, they just got out litigated by uh, by Chris. Good job. Yeah, goes to show sometimes not about being. You know, wrong or right, but about how well you can present your case. Get a good lawyer. That's the key. Yeah, it's, and don't they? You know what they always say that uh, you know you you have a fool. You, know, you have a fool for a client if you're Represent acting as yourself. your own representation. Exactly. That's exactly, exactly the way it works. You know, we're out of time. Oh my goodness! I want to tell you something. Yeah, you can have Monday off. All righty. You know, we'll get. Well, back. I'm not refunding <laughs> any money. <laughs> okay. We'll get back together. We'll do it. Again next week. We'll do you it. You have a great Memorial Day you weekend, too. all right? And to everyone, right. God bless. Right. Taking a break. We got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.